Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Right past the top of the hour, Major League Baseball informed the Players Association that they did intend to lock them out. It's the ninth work stoppage in Major League Baseball history, and after 26 years of labor peace, here we are with a cold winter ahead. Nobody knows where it's going to go. Nobody knows how long it's going to last. The hope and the expectation is that we will have baseball come spring, but with the sides still far apart, we're not sure exactly where this is going to go. That's ESPN's Jeff Passan last night, just past 10.59 St. Louis time, and the baseball lockout has been announced. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker Smallman and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. It's 7.01, your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. A couple of signings yesterday, but I can guarantee you none today. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Dan. Hey, good morning, guys. How we doing? Baseball's stupid. Yeah, is it a good morning when baseball's locked out? Yeah, you stupidies. Jerks. You That's dummies. What you stupid. And, by the way. Is it stupid? You can't say stupid, can you? No, Why not? Really? All right. This, well, is, this is our show, Dan. You can say whatever you want. All right. Yeah. I like show. you stupid. They're, they are stupids. And both sides, by the way. <laughs> both sides, by the way, are, are equally stupid. But at the top of the list, I'm going to place the owners. The owners who have a guy negotiating for them, who last year gave the Cardinals Nolan Arenado and $51 million, and now that guy's the lead negotiator for the owners? Are you kidding me? Are you kind of surprised that the other owners allowed that to happen? Yeah, why not have Bill DeWitt do it? That seems like... He's the one that got the $51 million. Kind of seems like the logical approach, and doesn't everyone call him the godfather? Yeah, he did the last CBA, and then maybe that's the problem, is that he fleeced <laughs> the players so badly in the last one. Well, that's a thing. They've got the players, the union has Bruce Meyer, who is a noted a bulldog negotiator. And Tony Clark is kind of out of the way. Rob Manfred representing Major League Baseball is somewhat out of the way because the, the players last time got taken to the woodshed mm -hmm. and uh, and the owners won. There's no question mm -hmm. about it. They saw the landscape changing in terms of how analytics would be big into front offices and, and paying young players. But there was, you know, there, there are some key issues like service time manipulation. I don't think anybody wants to see that. If, if you're a fan and even down deep, if you're an owner, like, if you own the Cubs, did you really want to keep Chris Bryant down for a couple of weeks for service manipulation? I mean, at the end of the day, it's about putting the best product on the field. I, I just wish that you could find negotiators that really had the best interest of the sport and the fans in mind. And I don't think we have that. We're going to try to – both sides are going to try to get the best deal they can. And uh, and it's already starting with the, the press releases that have come out where you, you have them kind of going back, little shots at, at one another. 
And guys, the thing that I'm really fascinated about is that the other work stoppages in baseball, we haven't had one since 94, 95, did not include social media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And social media can change the narrative very quickly and the public opinion of how this thing goes. And so can you break the union in, in times like this by... The, the guys in the union going on social media and you see their true feelings or they get upset or they start to get antsy, which we all will in a couple of months if this thing isn't resolved. So that's something to think about moving forward. We've never had social media with this and how that plays into this this lockout. And I think we saw that last year when baseball was yes. trying to get jump started and the players and the owners were sniping about different things. We saw many players taking to social media mm -hmm. or to live streams and making their feelings yes. known. I don't know who's going to be the first one to pop off, but you know it's only a matter of time. And and if you're the folks on Major League Baseball side, you're, you're monitoring everything because then you're saying, okay, we're getting some cracks in the union. Mm -hmm. Stay steadfast with what we're doing. And no one went, and the bottom line is nobody wants to hear it. If you're a fan, you just want to hear Nolan Arenado's in training and he's looking great and Paul Goldschmidt's doing this, that, and the other. This is not what you want to have. And, and by the way, if you wake up this morning and you want to read about your favorite player on MLB.com, you know, in the Cardinals or the Phillies or the Mets or whomever, uh, there's no use of player name or likeness. And so you'll be hearing commercials or seeing things that just say, Hey, the mystery player is coming up on June 4th or whatever. Mm -hmm. It won't be, I'm just throwing out there, Paul Goldschmidt Day. You won't have that stuff until they get a resolution. So all the player's name and likeness is taken away. Peter Gammons is a great baseball historian. And if you get the opportunity, go to The Athletic and read his piece from last night. And one of the things that struck me... Michelle and Dan is that he wrote this one will likely come to an end when either the owners are losing too much in revenues or the players are losing too much in salaries. The latter is especially complicated because one estimate claims that 33 players command 51% of the $10 billion in player salaries. 33 of 750 players command 51% of the money that owners are paying out. Which is too much of a disparity. That's insane. That is something that players should be looking at and trying to fix with their, within their own house. We talk a lot about how owners have to fix their issues with revenue sharing and things like that. So do the players. Because if they want to avoid tanking and they want to get more players paid, it's not going to come out of the owner's funds. It's going to come out of their own funds and they need to be more equitable in what they make. Now, there might be a little bit more. Another thing that Peter Gammons pointed out was that before the 1994 strike from spring training where there was a lockout in 1990 until Bud Selig's announcement of the end of the 1994 season, the owners had gone through several concepts from pay, per, per, pay for performance at, to a salary cap to change the economics, a system that when the season ended, it amounted to players getting 52% of the revenue. This is in 1994. The owners, 48. Today, the owners get 57% of the revenue and players get 43%. The owners offered a 50-50 split in 1994 mm -hmm. and the players turned it down. Yep. If, if the players want more money, <clears throat> number one, they have to convince themselves that they can trust the owners, like basketball players trust owners. You just hit it on the head. Yeah, Football, and that's hard. hockey. Yeah. The distrust they, is so big. It's And it's been there forever. Yep. You, you go back to before the collusion in the 80s, right? But there has to come a point where the players can define the gross revenue of the sport and then it can be split equitably. I don't think we'll ever get anywhere. Now, this lockout might end, but in terms of having the players succeeding at what they're looking for, 
it's not going to happen until they accept a floor, which owners have offered at $100 million, but they've also offered a compressed, essentially a cap. The taxes are, are a cap. Luxury tax, but, yeah, kind of, yeah. Right. So until, it seems to me, they have a system that is similar to what baseball or football, basketball, and hockey have, I don't think that the player, the the underpaid young players or the middle class players are going to be taken care of. So part of this, I think, from a player's perspective is, okay, what if we were going to do this uh, 50-50 split, let's just say, well, what what define the 50-50 split problem? You know, is it uh, tickets sold? Sure, we can we can split that stuff. And, and what about uh, Ballpark Village? There's your uh, don't know about got, that. Yeah, everybody's mm-hmm. building the ballpark village. That's if right. If you don't have one, everybody's going to have one. So what's the reason that you go to, generally speaking, ballpark village is for a baseball game? Not always. I mean, you may go down to watch a Blues game. Or, or for New Year's Eve. New I'm Year's hosting Eve. a party there. It's going to yeah. be great. Buy your tickets now. You, you, are you doing the private uh, service at the top, like the roped-off area where you 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 know you, you got 2000 bucks and you, you get the, the vodka or something? Are you doing one of no, those? No, I'm you, doing it. You said this is your party. I'm I mean, doing it, you're it like at, P. At, Diddy. I'm doing it at Ballpark Village with Lux from the Point and okay. Learn from Casey. We're doing the ball drop. It's going to be great. All right. I just had to... Right there, Get that at, out there. At, ball, at Ballpark Village, right there in the middle. So and I apologize. I will be sleeping. Yeah, me too. Oh, come on, guys. Oh, there's no chance. I'll be in bed by nine. <laughs> have a couple bottled waters and uh, call it a night. Wow, Andrew, you're going to be up? Andrew Marsh is thinking about this. Will I be up? Yeah, New oh, Year's absolutely. Eve midnight. There you go. All right. But I'll be preparing old, though, for the, the Winter Classics the next day. Good point. That's oh, all right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You can stay up late and watch that. But back to the, <laughs> we, we have gone to uh, the MLB lockout anyway, to this. Keep, keep going. Just so. How do you define what what stuff is shareable? Mm-hmm. You know, what what can you split? Mm-hmm. And Randy, you said something about the players, and I, I said this with BK yesterday. If I'm on the players' association or part of it, which they're saying, you know, hey, we're working for the collective union, right? And you just gave the numbers that Peter Gammons talked about, where it's what 33 players get 51 percent of the revenue, right? So. On the executive committee, by the way, for the Players Association, it's names like Max Scherzer. Well, is he Andrew, making any money, though? Come on. I don't yeah, know if he right. really should be on this thing. Andrew Miller, who yeah. in his role made a bundle of money. He signed uh, a free agent contract with the Yankees, so yeah. Francisco Lindor. He's doing okay. Marcus Simeon. Just, uh, he's, he's probably feeling pretty good about this lockout. Garrett Cole. <laughs> James Paxton, Zach Britton, Jason Castro. So those are the eight guys that we're talking about. And my point is, these guys have made their money. I mean, they, they, they're they set for lifetimes and generations of their family. And where is somebody that represents the guy that uh, has one year of service time or those that are fighting for a job to explain? And, to, and I understand that these guys would say, well, we're, we're working for everybody. But really, are you? Because behind the scenes, there's ma- the, 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 the big players in sports are, the, are their agents. They're the ones that are pulling the strings here. So I, I don't, you know, there's fault to go around on both sides. It, it's just, it's going to get uh, probably nasty over yep. the next couple of months. And I, I would imagine that we get the season off on time because they realize it needs to happen. And you cannot shut down the sport and miss games and miss money. You're ultimately, giving them a lot of credit, man. I, I You think I am? Yeah. I. I think you get when we get towards spring training, the anxiousness on both sides, but especially the players will come through. You start missing checks. And, and remember, two years ago it was reduced season of sixty games. And I don't know if this will matter or not, but 
bring in the social media component, we get closer to spring training and there's no movement, you're going to hear it from fans. Oh, you're, you're going to hear it all week. You're going to yeah. hear it. You're going to hear it a lot, but the closer you get to spring training, you're definitely going to hear it. But Dan, I think you touched on something really interesting about the guys who are representing the players being a lot of the big money guys. Yeah. Yes, the players are together. They're as one. and they're We're fight- a union. We're a union. We're fighting as one. But I think in any sport, but particularly baseball, you know as a player that you're disposable. And you want to make your money while you can. And so it, it's very difficult for a player who knows that they have a finite amount of time to make this money to have to swallow something in in, in like for the greater good essentially for mm-hmm. players that are going mm-hmm. to come after you that you might not know or you may have no connection with and that's difficult I, I think what I got from last night is that the ownership group and I, I could be wrong about this but players said okay we need to the, uh, the the minimum salary needs to be raised owners said okay we can do that they said uh, you know we can do a floor as you mentioned Randy we can do that and then they said, well, we can do one other thing, which was service manipulation. They looked at that and they they proposed that. And I, I do believe that the idea in that point was to at least get the the conversation going. OK, we got a starter with this point. We finished that. Now let's go to the next. And apparently the meetings yesterday took like seven you know, minutes, seven minutes. And they walked out the door and, and that was it. And I, that part bothers me to where. They, they need to get in a room right now and just start hammering this thing out because you cannot have a shutdown of the game. I'd love to have a meeting that lasted seven minutes at some point. Well, that's some, true, too. You, you ever been in a meeting that somebody called that lasted less than seven minutes? Ever? No. No. And we should have seven-minute <laughs> meetings. Yeah, we should. Yeah. I had somebody a meeting should at the Missouri, have uh, agendas, you know? Well, I, had, I had a meeting at the Missouri Athletic Club yesterday. It lasted two hours, and I enjoyed every bit of it. Oh, uh, good. It was great. Yeah, so that part was great. Okay, so you know? that, was a, that was a fun meeting, huh? Yeah, it was a good meeting. Good. A couple of players signed before the lockout. Luis Garcia, the former Cardinal, now a member of the Padres. Two years, $7 million. I'm not brokenhearted over this. I liked what he did for the Cardinals, but I, I think you can find a lot of Luis Garcias. Yes. We needed to find one last year. You just need to have him at the beginning of the season. I wonder what, uh, I'm assuming the Cardinals had interest. I was told that they did. I wonder how far or how deep they went into feeling that, okay, we can give a multi-year deal that's beyond $7 million. It's a lot for a reliever when yeah. you when the hardest thing to do year by year, from my perspective in watching this, is trying to figure out is that reliever going to be the same guy that I yeah. saw mm-hmm. this right. year? And you need a bunch of guys. And he hasn't been as consistent as others when you sign somebody that you give that kind of money he's to. Thirty-four. It's, yes, he, he's been around. You know, uh, Marcus Stroman signs with or he agrees to a three-year, seventy-one million dollar deal with the Cubs. So congratulations to them and to him. Marcus Freeman reportedly set to be promoted to head coach at Notre Dame replacing Brian Kelly and he's going to keep Tommy Reese the 29 year old offensive coordinator on hand he had been offered 1.2 million dollars by LSU to join Brian Kelly there I wonder how Brian Kelly feels not being able to retain some of his guys from Notre Dame at LSU maybe you should have told him beforehand maybe that you shouldn't have had him out on the recruiting trail and gone to LSU to get a deal done do you see the uh, or listen to his meeting it was recorded I yeah. did Took about two minutes of yeah. his speech. It wasn't very heartfelt, and just uh, a lot of stuff has happened here, guys. Uh, thanks for your hard work, and uh, you know, sorry, and uh, I'm out. Yeah, that was un- it. Unreal. Short fast lane today. Blues at Lightning tonight. Pre-game at five o'clock. The face-off at six. As the Blues will visit Tampa Bay after knocking them off in a shootout la- uh, two nights ago. And tonight, you've also got Thursday night football. 
The Dallas Cowboys are at New Orleans, and Dallas will be coached by former Atlanta head coach Dan Quinn. Mike McCarthy out due to testing positive for COVID, and Taysom Hill will start at quarterback. Doesn't Taysom Hill make Christmas trees in the commercials that we're here seeing all over TV right now? I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention to you, Randy. Oh. Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback, not Balsam Hill. Taysom Hill oh, is going to be the quarterback okay. for the Saints tonight. That Excellent. is the opening drive here on 101 ESPN. The, the opening salvo. The opening salvo. That's a good one, Dan. Yeah, I like you. that better than opening Big drive. word. Yeah, first drive. Salvo. There we go. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got Sick of It coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I'm over it, Sharon. I can't take this no more. I am done. I am sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. I can't take it anymore. These people are the worst. Carriker and Smallman are sick of it. We'll take your texts. What are you sick of? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Kids, I get between 75 and 100 emails a day at my work email address. And I'm sick of it. I am sick of having to click, 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 click to get rid of all of these emails. And you never know when an important an important one is tucked in there. So you just got to go through individually and X them out. It sucks. It's, I'm sick of it. I tell people at work, if you need me, text me or call me. Because we get so many emails, yep. I'm likely not going to see it. This yeah. is really a whiny segment. You know that? Yeah, it is. That's the whole point. sick of it. And that was uh, Bradley Beal's wife, who after he put up 47 in a loss again, went on social media and she either tweeted or Instagram sick of it and that that wasn't duty pooty or pooty no, scooty, scooty booty scooty booty, booty. booty. who <laughs> may be the issue scooty booty yeah with the struggles of the Pittsburgh Steelers this is another segment but scooty no, booty no 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 we're not doing that we're not going to blame the significant other why we're not going to blame scooty booty if anything she's scooty elevating them booty oh she's elevating them well that is really bad because we're talking about them because of her just okay saying. but they need to be elevated on the field a little bit michelle yeah her, not her uh, fault. her bow is devin bush yes. that defense has allowed 41 points a game in the last two maybe they just need some music at practice randy it has that nothing might to do with old it. scooty boots Good. okay maybe they scooty. need scooty booty at practice booty let's see if she's been on the insta lately you go ahead guys that practice. is an all-time instagram handle love her yes. scooty booty shout out to you <laughs> devin bush's Girlfriend. That's right. That's why she's also a dental hygienist. But how did you find her on Instagram again? I forget this story. Uh, I just know she's now part of the show. Yeah, I, ju- I just saw an article that uh, she was something was happening with uh, she and Devin. Nice, nice. You know what I'm sick of, guys, is what? that fans and sports seem to be given the last consideration when it comes to making decisions. We talked about this last week with the lawsuit settlement here in St. Louis with the Rams and the NFL. We're talking about it this morning with Major League Baseball and the lockout. None of this works without the fans. If someone is not watching a television show, it gets canceled. If someone's not showing up to things, it it gets canceled. And it just seems like we as fans are so addicted to sports and we love them so much that even though fans are the last thing to be considered when these decisions are made, we're always going to show up. And I'm sick of that. 
I'm sick of fans being pushed aside or not even being thought of when it comes to stuff like this. Absolutely. I mean, if you were in that room yesterday for the seven minutes, you think one person brought up, wait, what do you think the fans feel about this? Not one guarantee of that. And the fans are paying the salaries. Absolutely. Um, I always say that, you know, people will stop us and say, oh, I don't mean to bother you. And I say, you're not bothering me. You pay my salary. Yep. That's That's what I always say. And it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's a fact. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you don't I, have people that way. come involved in this, you know, yep. it's adios. Um, so I am sick of the, uh, I think the uh, the press releases coming out from both sides. Okay, uh, Major League Baseball will come out with one, then the MLBPA will come out with one, or vice versa. And they're all carefully worded in all this different stuff. But uh, I looked at the one that was sent out. It was a letter to the fans by Rob Manfred. I don't know if you guys read that. I did. It's right at the top of MLB.com if you haven't seen it. And so the thing that uh, I was annoyed with was we have doled out $1.7 billion in salaries. We will shatter the all-time record in money spent on free agency. I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. And you are tone deaf when you write something like that in the middle of a pandemic where people are trying to continue to get work and inflation is going up and uh, we all are just craving to have something that would take our attention away from our everyday lives, which for many of us, and if you're listening to this, it's probably sports. So do I want to hear that in a, a letter to me as a fan? No, I don't. I loved this part. We worked hard to find compromise while making the system even better for players. Did you? Did you work hard to find compromise? Yeah. Really? You're going to put that in black and white? You had a seven-minute meeting. You worked don't, hard. Don't tell me you worked find hard. compromise? Come on. And you were uh, ready to go when this thing hit at 11.59 because everything was wiped off of MLB.com. Right. This letter was writ, and so were all the players just vanquished from the website. Yeah. Yep. All right, your text, 65780. Andrew, what do we got on the text line? Yeah, from the 618. Sick of billionaires arguing with millionaires. Baseball is a huge part of my life, but I'm already tired of this lockout. It's only been, what, less than eight hours? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of it, too. I'm with you. It's a, uh, ultimately, it is a business, but that business is dependent on you out there as a fan supporting said business. And so I, I, I understand it. If I'm a fan this morning, I wake up, um, you know, pissed, sick hey, of it. And St. Know? Louis and Max Scherzer, we love you because you're a St. Louis. And don't have your introductory press conference and whine about the CBA. But he already did. I didn't. Uh, I had, So I didn't see it. I can't say that I saw exactly what he said. But that is bad. Yeah. I, I had people telling me, like, he's talking about the CBA. And I understand his position within the union is a powerful one. And he's a, a prime example of uh, guys that can make a lot of money in this game. But holy smokes. And if you are having a press conference to announce a $130 million contract that you're getting in the scope of the press conference a half hour, never use the word unfair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is a really good point. <laughs> never. Just, fans just don't want to hear about it, no, man. we don't. From the 636, professional sport owners, MLB and NFL specifically, this texter's sick of it. Sick of it. Yeah, fair. Hey, we're sick of NFL owners. Are we? Which which group are we more sick of, NFL or Major League Baseball? I'd oh. say it's still NFL, right? Yeah, it'll even though be we're NFL. even though we're really mad at baseball right now, we'll oh. we'll forgive baseball. NFL we'll owners never have them. Jerry Jones and Stan Kroenke. That's true. That's true. All right, kind of switching it up a little bit from the 636. 
I'm sick of deep dish pizza, gravy, and decaf. All three should go away forever. Did I write that in? Deep dish? I love sounds it. Like yeah. it. it sounds like it. Sounds like Is that my text, brain yeah. on the text line? Yeah. So I like the deep dish pizza. I utilized gravy a week ago today pretty significantly. And decaf, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm tired. Of Look, it. if you're going to drink coffee, yeah, for me, it's like... I, why, I need the, why bother? Yeah, I always say just, give me the caffeine. Just like smack yourself in the face if you're yeah. going to have decaf. What's the point? Exactly. Same thing with deep dish. It's not pizza. If I have to use a fork to eat it, it's not pizza. You don't have to use a fork to eat it. Do you, I don't like the saying, it's like kissing your sister, right? I don't like that saying. So either. I was going to say, like, decaf is like kissing your sister, but I, I don't think I'd ever want to kiss my sister. But would you ever have decaf? No. So there you go. So it is like that's kissing where I'm your at. sister. Yeah. Okay. All right. From the 314, this texter is sick of the Blues getting off to a poor start, but they love the comebacks. The other day when Michelle asked Darren Pang what the Blues needed to do, he said they need to show up on time. Yeah. And they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and they still won. Yeah. It'll but, be interesting tonight what happens, too. Right. Yeah, I would think that the Lightning will come out flying again. Mm-hmm. I would hope that the Blues would do that, too. Yeah. And that there would be a premium put on the first five minutes of these first of the of the periods that they play in, and certainly in the first five minutes of this game. Yeah, but that's it, it was well said by Panger. They do need to show up on time, and I agree with you. I'm yeah. sick of it too. All right, from the three one four, this texter, I'm sick of St. Louis Cardinals Twitter rumors. Well, now that's that's the fun part of being in the hot stove, and we're not going to have that. Yeah, that's true. That's the best part of the the offseason is like, okay, they may go out and get this guy or that guy. And that, to me, that makes it fun. I like rumors. I, I like Rumor Central. It. Yeah, We love hot goss here. Yeah, no doubt. Right. He's a gossip guy. Oh, big time. Big time. Cardinals are going to sign after the after the lockout. They're going to sign. Trevor Story. I don't know. Mystery player. Okay. Mystery player. Player X. <laughs> yeah. Future considerations. Well, mystery player is what you get right now on promotions right. across baseball. Exactly. <laughs> the right. mystery player giveaway on June 4th so or this is the way August is. 7th, whatever. This is the way it is with MLB right now and all of their employees. So mystery broadcaster will join us next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> we are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> MLB Network's Greg Amzinger joins us as he does every Thursday on Character Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. He's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Hey, good morning. Uh, I wonder what we're going to talk about. Uh, maybe it's the Marlins getting Abasil Garcia and Joey Wendell. Uh, what, 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 what do you want to talk about this morning? Marlins are actually, you know, if they go out and get <laughs> Kyle Schwarber, they can, do, they can pitch, man. They just need to put together a lineup. Oh, thanks for playing along, Randy. I always appreciate you, man. You're a great teammate. You really are. Uh, no, it's obvious uh, what what we're all going to talk about. It's what the, the sports world's talking about. I was on last night uh, for two hours leading up to the deadline and then after the deadline, and, and we're in it. And buckle up because this is this could be for a while. That's uh, basically what we're all expecting. Which one of the issues at hand here, Greg, do you think might be the biggest sticking point between the players and the owners? Uh, you know, speculating in, in, uh, regarding a negotiation inside a room that I don't get to be privy to those conversations. I, I don't want to speculate, but based on five years ago, 
doing the show and sitting with Tom Verducci when we were breaking the news that there was this new collectively bargained agreement and we were looking at the details and one that jumped off the page to us was the draft compensation connected to free agency. I couldn't believe that it, that was still there. And, and now when you're seeing proposals from the league where they are throwing that in there, saying, hey, we will take the draft compensation away from free agency to make you a free agent actually free. When they're, when they're just proposing these things uh, to get a conversation started, it makes me wonder, and, and I, I'm going to keep coming back to six years of service time before free agency, six years of control. And, and this is something that was collectively bargained back in 1976. Uh, the league stance on that, uh, we've heard from many people, is that yeah, look, the sports changed since 1976. And, and careers are getting shorter, and the way we're uh, using players and, and manipulating free agency, whether or not a team's ready to win right now, so we'll hold a player uh, in, in the minor leagues, even though he might be ready talent-wise to compete at the big league level, it, is, uh, it could be a, a major sticking point. Uh, I, I do know that it's a non-starter for the league. Th- th- they are keeping that, and they believe it's important for competitive balance to have six years of control. <laughs> and uh, that could be one of the major sticking points because, remember, they met twice yesterday in Dallas, the two sides, the Players Association and the league. First time, uh, it was 45 minutes, and the second time they got together, it was just seven. So I, I don't think that the, the, the league is upset because the, the union is upset with the entire alphabet. I, I think they're annoyed that the first letter of the alphabet, which we're not even hearing about B, C, D, and F, uh, is is a sticking point that is a non-starter. So uh, the, the the union is, is steadfast, and they are upset with what they think is not fair about the collective bargaining agreement that, that expired last night at midnight, and, and they're trying to make changes to it. I don't know if this is the approach that's going to work, but we're all about to find out. And, Greg, I, I try to compare apples to apples here. In basketball and in hockey and in football, players become free agents after four years. Unless you're a first-rounder in the NFL, then it's five. And the other part of, of baseball is that not only is it six years of major league service before you become a free agent, but it's six years of ownership at the minor league level, too. A team could draft a player, and theoretically, a, a college senior, he could be drafted at 22, six years in the minors, six years in the majors. He's got 12 years, and he's 34 before he gets to chan- the chance to choose where he plays. You're absolutely right. Now, on the other side of that, if you were to ask the union, all right, you know what? You guys are right. This sucks. We will literally take any other collective bargaining agreement from any other sport and implement it today. We'll we'll, we'll crumble up what you have, and we will implement the NBAs or the NFLs or the NHLs, word for word, everything, every rule they have. We will implement it right now. Do you want that? And the union would say, hell no. No, mm-hmm. no, no. We don't want a salary cap. We're the only sport that has no limitations on contract length. The, we, the, the, the size of a contract, ask Mike Trout, could be over $400 million. And guess what? It's all guaranteed. We just saw eight of the largest contracts in the history of the sport get signed in, in a month leading up to this this deadline. So, the union would not want any other major American sports leagues contract. They would not want any of those. It's the best deal. But 
the other leagues don't have 162 games. Uh, it is not the same. And you're going to see these two very passionate approaches eventually collide for a long period of time when they actually last longer than seven minutes in, in, a, in, a, in a boardroom. You know, Greg, um, I'm curious about a couple of things. I would assume this, is, and again, this is my assumption, and, and maybe you have information on this, that uh, from during the lockout, if you wanted to hear from John Mosaloc, let's say here in St. Louis, or you want to hear from others, you're not going to be able to do that. So it may be only Bill DeWitt or Bill DeWitt, uh, Bill DeWitt Jr. or Bill DeWitt III that speaks on behalf of clubs. And then secondly, as it pertains to your job, are you allowed at MLB Network to use player likeness, image, video, highlights, and that kind of thing uh, moving forward? No, that's a great question. Uh, the show that is re-airing right now is a show that I, I did live uh, from midnight Eastern to 1 a.m. Eastern uh, after the deadline passed. Now, it looks very different uh, than the show that I did the hour prior to that, prior to the expiration of the CBA. Uh, we are not allowed to use any images of major league players. Uh, we can't even use a headshot of a major league player. Um, we can't use a starting lineup of a major league player. So let me, let me ask you this thing. Could you go to, you know, a lot of TV stations, as you well know, will subscribe to say, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there, like a USA Today image, and they, they you know, you, you, you pay X amount of dollars and you get access to, you know, images, and it could be major league players. And even though you pay for that, you still would not be able to use that? Nope, not at all. Yeah, this is what we're dealing with. So as a a network that is built around Major League Baseball players, when you watch MLB Network, think of all of the promos that have all the stars of the game. Those have all been pulled. Uh, So the show that's re-airing right now, you will not see a player's image or likeness at all uh, during the studio show, that I'm doing another show today. Well, you're going to love that. That's a lot of FaceTime for you. I was about to go there, Dan. Yeah. We think alike. You got, and uh, get the hair God going, babe. Good, yeah, thank God I had a great hair day last night. Mm-hmm. And now yeah, I really got to focus when I'm working the quap uh, today going into work. So uh, it's a little different focus for me, but I, I think the fans and the viewers would prefer to see Marcus Simeon's face <laughs> and prefer to see Marcus Stroman highlights. But, uh, yeah, no breakdown tapes. You're not going to see any video of anybody. Uh, and yet we still have graphics built walking you through contracts. You just can't see the face of any of these players that we're talking about. Mm. Greg, I think you're selling your hair short, but we'll save that conversation for another day. (laughs) Greg, you know, all the money that these players and owners are fighting over exists because the fans love the game. And it really bothers me that it seems like the fans are not even considered in this at all. Yeah, it's tough because fans, if they want a quick, happy fix, then that kind of falls at the feet of the players. And it's easy to demonize a side. What what I can tell you, and I've been having, I'm a, I'm a bunch of group chat text messages with all my college buddies, which never ends well. And <laughs> I know <laughs> it, it doesn't. And, and, and they get all upset, and it's always directed at the players. Like, oh, we got a bunch of millionaires yelling at a bunch of billionaires, and it's terrible. And I'm like, you know, but everything's relative. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you could be a thousandaire and you're yelling at your boss who might be a millionaire in your walk of life. Or you you might have somebody that, 
that that works for you at your home, and they're they're arguing with you about a raise over a couple hundred dollars, and you're a you know a six figure heir. You know everything's relative, and I get it. It's hard to listen to a, a, a labor stoppage between millionaires and billionaires. I, I, I understand that. But from the union's perspective, this isn't about Max Scherzer not making enough money. For, for goodness sakes, he got a three-year deal for $130 million from the Mets. He's one of the player reps. They're looking at this from the foundation of a baseball player's professional career. And there are many nuances to that. They, they want there to be fairness. They look at this from the eyes of Adley Rushman, for example, who's the former number one pick. Um, out of Oregon State, one of the most talented players we've seen. Oh, wait a minute. We haven't seen him in the big leagues. Why? Because the Baltimore Orioles aren't ready to win right now. So they've kept this talent that should be already in the big leagues, in the minor leagues, because why start his six-year clock when the Orioles are still two to three years away from competing? Every side, both of these sides, want the sport to be more competitive. It's great that you have four teams that have won over 100 games, but it's also a bad thing you have four teams that have lost over 100 games. You, there, there's a middle ground, and the two sides are disagreeing as to how to get the most competitive product on the field. That is the crux of this. And if you're a fan of the game, it's not just about the money. I, I know it sounds like it is, but it's not just about the money. It's, it's the way we go about making this sport the best version of itself. And I'll say this. I believe the only way anything like this gets done properly is if everyone that works in the sport, works for the league, is tied to this sport, is a true caretaker of it. And that goes from the commissioner of baseball to all the owners, to all the players, the player reps, and and Bruce Myers, the lead negotiator, Tony Clark, the executive director of the Players Association, it's bigger than one person. It's bigger than winning a negotiation. you got to care about the health of the sport. And I think everyone tied to this understands that a lockout is fine. It, we're not missing any games yet. But we cannot miss real estate of the regular season. And that, if that were to happen, then, Michelle, then, yes, let, let's talk about how the fans are getting screwed. Absolutely. But as of right now, that's not happening. These two sides are disagreeing about details of a contract. That happens in all walks of life, and in, unless we're missing time in, in the regular season, the fans seem to sit back and, and do what they normally do when we're in the month of November, December, January, and that's not watch baseball but pay attention to what's going on in the offseason. Greg, with all due respect, it's about the money on both sides, and I would love to think that there are caretakers of the game that are in these rooms negotiating and saying, hey, are we thinking about 10 years, 20 years down the line and what we need to do for our fans? I would love to think that. But at the end of the day, the end of the, re the, the, the negotiations that are going on, it is all about the money, period. Well, wait a minute. So you're saying that the union's upset that only $1.7 billion were spent in the month of November leading up to the, the expiration of this collective bargaining agreement? No, no, no. It wanted to be $3.7 billion? Well, it's like, going yeah. to be over $2 billion by the time this happens. So we're going right. to have the greatest free agent spending spree in terms right. of money spent. Um, but I think what I'm, what my point is what I'm trying to say is that at the end of the day, with all these people coming together, the fight, yeah, you may have little nuances here or there, but the fight is how to split the pie, which is the money. And 
uh, I, I just, man, I just hope cooler heads prevail and understand that that's, you know, we do need to have caretakers of the game in there. I'd like to think that there are, but man, at this point, I, I have to wonder. And listen, there are 33 players that make up 51% of all the salaries that are doled out in Major League Baseball. Incredible. There are 33 players. The 51% is fine. The union's okay with that. Those are the faces of the game, and it's kind of always been that way. It's top-heavy. But the haves and the have-nots is where fans have a hard time, you know, uh, understanding this. The, you know, the major league minimum is over $500,000. If you're sitting around driving listening to this right now, you want to think anti-union, anti-player. Well, that's a lot of money if you're not an established big leaguer. Well, no one's asking the other side how much profit they're taking home. It's all public record as to how much these players get. And, and, and the players are hearing numbers. They're hearing information from their side, which they have every right to do. But this whole thing comes down to the 49%. Yep. The 49%. Mm-hmm. Those are many, 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 many more human beings. And if the 49%, the, all of their salaries go up dramatically. And now Juan Soto's a free agent after four years instead of six years. And you're, you're wondering, wait a minute, this, is this good for the sport where we can't have the faces of the game connected to the team they came up with? Not every story is going to end up like Wander Franco. And maybe Wander Franco doesn't sign that 11-year contract extension with the Rays if he's only four or three more years away from free agency. So uh, is this good for the game? If some of these smaller markets are unable to keep the players that they have, both sides of the argument have valid points. It's hard. To, I, I just don't want people demonizing either side. This is what happens. I mean, Dan, you've had a contract negotiation. All everyone on this radio interview right now, they've all had. A, we've all had a contract negotiation. Lost it's them all. Not pretty. It's, <laughs> it's not pretty, as you can hear right there, folks. That's why we get up at 5 in the morning to do morning radio. I mean, come on, Greg. We lost. You need a better agent, I yeah. you, need to call, you need to call Bruce Meyer. Him, he's got bigger fish to fry yeah. right now. But call Bruce Meyer, and he'll, be, he'll represent you happily. But this is what happens, folks. Negotiations get ugly. It just seems to be the case all the time. And I got to tell you, five years ago when Tom Verducci and I were live after the CBA was agreed upon, we looked at each other and were like, well, you know what? The owners may, have, may walk away smiling, but five years from now, I think the sport's going to be frowning. And, and that really did come to fruition. Okay, yeah. Greg, uh, I'm going to give you one minute here, but I, I want to do one one fun thing. The best player that didn't sign before this lockout is Carlos Correa. Mo yeah. gets a burner phone, texts Yachty, says, hey, Yachty, Freddie work, Freeman's pretty good. work yeah, he is pretty good. Okay. Uh, hey, Yachty, work Correa. Tell him that we're coming after him after the lockout. If everything else is equal, how badly does Carlos Correa want to play with his countryman, Yachty or Molina? First off, you make John Mozeliak sound out to be like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Totally, right? yep. Like a yep. <laughs> burner phone. <laughs> For folks at home, this cannot happen if that were to happen. <laughs> <laughs> major penalties and fines, and John Mosaic might be run out of the game. So you're not allowed to communicate with any big leaguer during this lockout. Why it's a burner phone. Happen. But <laughs> playing your game, because I, I love getting creative like you do, Randy. Uh, I, I think I, I, I personally viewed Carlos Correa's free agency this way. I think there's one team, and you're going to be blown away when I say it, and it, to me, I, I, it's a no-brainer. I think it's the New York Mets. No one's connected Carlos Correa to the Mets. 
Steve Cohen is he's done playing along with Sandy Alderson, you know, watching how much money we spend and let's hold back. Let's not get JT Real Mudo. James McCann's a better option. No, plan B's don't work. So he's after it now. He, what we saw from the Max Scherzer deal, he wants to win a World Series. And Carlos Correa openly said he would love to. He'll play third base, even though he won a gold glove at short. He's not going to do that for Xander Bogarts, okay? But his buddy Francisco Lindor, who was the starting shortstop for Team Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic, he can slide right over to third base. Let's also keep in mind the Mets don't have a manager yet. They had a guy at a press conference that was their manager until that fell apart because of a scandal, and that was Carlos Beltran that was also part of that Team Puerto Rico club who Carlos Correa and Francisco Lindor idolized. Uh, I still think Beltran becomes the manager of the team when we saw Alex Cora and A.J. Hinge come back to the game and no one talks about it anymore. Uh, I think Correa plays third base. I, Francisco Lindor did not like turning double plays with Jeff McNeil. I think Escobar goes to second. McNeil becomes the DH because that's going to be in play, I believe, after the CBA eventually gets agreed upon. But I, 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 I could see the Cardinals doing Trevor's story at short more than Carlos Correa because after Corey Seager got $325 million, Carlos Correa is not agreeing to any deal unless it begins with a three, and the Cardinals aren't going that deep. All right, good call. Greg, always good to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great day, and uh, I guess you'll have at least some time to get out and on a nice day, hit the ball around, right? <laughs> Yeah, but knowing me, my luck for the next three months, however long this lasts, it'll be it'll be snow on the ground. I just can visualize I visualize that. So, uh, fingers crossed. I just got to bring one really two good really hair days tonight and Sunday. <laughs> uh, we have a, a Hall of Fame show, Bob Costas. So, uh, that's my focus right now, Randy. All right, we'll be tuned in. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. All right, take care, yeah. guys. That is the great Greg Amsinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. Glad that he gets to show his hair off. That's that's pretty cool. Coming up next, we've got a quick Tioli on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. We've got a quick take it or leave it here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, Randy, and Andrew, and you with your text, 65780. Guys, Dateline Dallas, Troy Aikman on the ticket talking about the all-star team the Rams have put together. He said, quote, I know Washington tried it back in, I think, 99. I've just never seen a team that goes out and tries to put together this all-star team that can win a Super Bowl, much less success. It usually unravels, and right now that's kind of what's happening to the Rams. Shoot. Take it or leave it, I just made you smile. I'm smiling right now. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. We are actually all smiling. Yeah. Thanks, Troy. Yeah. He's right, too. Yeah. Good Sorry, luck. Good Rams. Luck. Okay, guys, take it or leave it. Spring training will be pushed back because of this lockout. Take it. I'm going to leave it. I think we'll get to spring training and uh, will not be pushed back. Maybe I'm an optimist. <laughs> Sounds like I am. I like your optimism, though. Me too. I so would say I. a lot of people, though, waking up uh, this morning are like, no way. This is going to last forever. We're going to have baseball. I mean, when you start missing checks, if you're a player, that's mm -hmm. big, obviously. And if you're an owner, when those TV checks start rolling in or don't, and the gate money and all those things 
don't start rolling in, there's a sense of urgency to get things done. Hope so. Yeah, we'll find out, I guess. Because yeah. that was my take it or leave it. Are we going to have baseball on opening day? So I was going to take it, There obviously. will be an opening day, but it just won't be on April 4th. The scheduled opening I'm day. I'm going to leave it. Leave it, okay? I'm going to take it, too. I'm going to follow Dan's line of thinking here and be an optimist. So okay. maybe what you're saying is that we push back spring training but still get in the full schedule of games and start on time. And, Randy, you're saying we don't start on time. So then yes. when do you think this thing happens? I'm saying that uh, we're looking at mid-June. You think that long? Yep. Really? Yep. Mid-June? Yep. Players have a war chest built up. They're ready to pay the, the players that aren't making a lot of money. They're, they appear to be dug in. And they've got a jerk who's happy to be a jerk that's their negotiator. Hmm. I don't see mid-June. No way. I hope that I'm wrong. I hope you are, too. All right. A couple of texts. Andrew, what do you got for us? Yeah, take it or leave it. MLB took a play at Brian Kelly's book for short meetings. I'll take it, yeah. <laughs> I'll take that, too. Yeah. Let's just get back into the meeting room. But, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. I will. I'll take that. Yeah. What did you think about a, a player clearly recording that and sending it? to a media outlet and leaking it. And that would be the Brian Kelly. The Brian yeah. Kelly yes. video. Because yeah. at that point, you don't owe him anything, right? right I mean, exactly. he's not your coach anymore. Yeah. And you're clearly feeling a certain type of way yeah. about the way he left your program. I'm fine with so it. So Brian Kelly, when he went into that meeting, you know, the guys are touching the play like a champion, and then his said, pay like a champion. And he touched <laughs> that. And then he went in and addressed his club. He certainly did get paid he like a champion. Get paid. <laughs> he, he did did. All right. Uh, thank you very much for the text. We do appreciate them. And coming up next, we're going to talk to John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues. Blues in Tampa tonight. He's next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. In a world where the crack of a bat is silent. Where peanuts and Cracker Jacks remain on the shelf. A lengthy stoppage has begun, but not for a play under review. It's day one of Major League Baseball's lockout. It is. It's day one of the lockout. It started last night at 10.59 St. Louis time. Evan Drellich at The Athletic reporting that a person with knowledge of the union's position said that MLB declined to counter an economics proposal the union made on Tuesday unless the association agreed in advance to drop a number of key demands, including on the time it takes players to get to free agency and revenue sharing between owners. And obviously the time it takes players to get free agents to free agency is perhaps the core issue here for players. There are a lot of issues, but owners wanted them to drop that issue and not even consider negotiating it if they were going to negotiate yesterday. And that's why we had the seven minute meeting. And it doesn't seem like either side is rushing back to the table to have these conversations. No, no, no new negotiations are scheduled, and they're going to have to have, obviously, some creativity. Both sides are going to have to have some creativity if they do want to end this anytime soon. And there's no way that it ends before the first week of February. The top-end players, the system currently works, and that's what we hear about the big free agent signings of Max Scherzer, Marcus Simeon, and others, Corey Seager, obviously. So the, the, the top-end, it works, and for the middle-class free agents, 
it's dropped. Their salaries have dropped by 50% since 2014. So when they signed the, the deal that just expired last night, it was in 2016, analytics really were coming, I mean, full bore into the game and owners and front offices realized, hey, we can, we can deal with these younger players and see what they do and have a different value on players instead of maybe paying for past performance and hopeful for others. And these younger players are kind of squeezing out that middle market. So I'm sure what Major League Baseball players are saying is we need to get that floor up. There needs to be a floor at least of some sort. And, uh, you know, we keep hearing about competitive balance. And Greg was talking about that. And I've read other comments from others, meaning revenue sharing and how that would work Mm -hmm. to where there's more of a share of the pie. Um, Surrendering draft picks when you sign a free agent. Players don't want to see that. Uh, New draft order potentially to get out of tanking. So maybe you go to the NBA system where, okay, you finish in the, the bottom third and now you're in a lottery to get the number one pick. You don't automatically get it by finishing last. I mean, there's stuff like that. So you get tanking out of the way. Players want to get to free agency earlier. I can understand that. We'll see if that happens. And arbitration here. So there's some pretty serious things that they've got to negotiate here to get this uh, to get this done. I know that you want someone who's really established, who's a big name player, who carries a lot of weight to be at the forefront of this. You mentioned Max Scherzer as one of the guys that's representing the union in these discussions. But would it be more beneficial for baseball to have someone in there who's actually fighting for the things that they're arguing for? Yes. Because Max Scherzer has made his money. He, th- As you said, the system has worked for him and for Scott Boris. It just seems a little counterintuitive to have those type of people being the ones that are representing the fight that the players are trying to get across to the owners. Yeah, and I'm sure Max Scherzer and others on that executive council are saying, well, I'm working to get the biggest deal I can because of the players before me that have allowed me to get to making 42 to $43 million a year. And I, I understand that, but... You know, we're talking now hundreds of players that aren't even close and will never be close to getting that kind of money that these top tier guys are getting. So Mm -hmm. that's part of this fight of bringing up the league minimum and tanking a competitive balance. I mean, you look at what the Rangers spent on the two players that they brought in. It is more by a long shot than what some teams are paying on the full payroll for the next season as currently constructed. And you can't have that. It, it just, if you're not going to spend some kind of money, then get out of the business. Mm-hmm. You know, the Pirates, the mm-hmm. Orioles, the Cleveland has been able to build up and then tear down, but it's not sustained success like we've seen here in St. Louis where it's worked and they spend money and we can all wish that they spent more, but DeWitt's are in the top 10 of payroll every year. It's just the, the unbalance of that is a problem in the sport. And, Dan, when you look even at, at, at a team that expected to win their division like the Cardinals, you talk about the middle class being squeezed out. Cardinals opening day roster in 2021. Their bench was Matt Carpenter, who was making big money, but then Edmundo Sosa, Andrew Kisner, John Nagowski, Austin Dean. So that's your bench, a bunch of rookies, okay? You don't have any experienced professional hitters. Your bullpen to start the season included Andrew Miller, and but Gallegos making the minimum, Hicks making the minimum, Reyes making the minimum, Helsley making the minimum, uh, Cabrera making the minimum, Woodford making the minimum. Those mid-level players that used to fill out your roster and make you great, like the 2006 Cardinals, 2011 Cardinals, 2004 Cardinals, those mid-level guys, they don't exist in baseball anymore, even for a good team. That's what I'm saying. And I, the players know that, and the salaries are going way down for the middle-tier free agent. I Like, 
a really good example would be a few years ago, Bud Norris. You know, Bud Norris comes yep. to St. Louis and had a pretty good year, had his ups and downs, but he was the kind of guy that even a few years prior to that would have been a player that teams would have signed. And they said, well, why are we going to sign Bud Norris then for, let's say, 3 to $4 million when I can go to my minor leagues and get somewhat of the equivalent of Bud Norris in paying the minimum? Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. So those middle-tier guys were kind of X'd out in these situations. Just to give you an idea, 2006 Cardinals, uh, Scott Spezio, Gary Bennett, Preston Wilson. They had Timo Perez on that uh, team. Jose Vizcaino made it up with that team. And then in the bullpen, you started the season, remember, with uh, Sidney Ponson. Uh, you had Braden Looper down there. You had Flores, who had been around a little bit down there. He was veterans. So, yeah, it, it was veteran yep. guys that just don't exist on MLB no. rosters anymore. Game has changed completely in that yep. regard, for sure. Yep. That is today's big thing. Actually, that is today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. It's MLB lockout day one. Day one. Are you going to do that for every day? Yep. Yeah. Uh, man, you're going to have to make a lot of those, maybe. <laughs> Peanuts and Cracker Jacks remaining on the shelves. What yes, a sad day. It is. Coming up next, John Kelly joins us to talk some blues hockey on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. This is Character and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues Booth. The Blues Booth is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has three convenient locations, Manchester, Crestwood, or St. Peter. Or visit online at boardwalkhardwood.com. And the Tampa Bay Lightning play the back end of a home-and-home tonight in Tampa. The Stanley Cup champions knocked off by the Blues in a shootout the other night by a score of 4-3. to three. And joining us to talk about the Blues and the Lightning is the voice of the Blues on Bally Sports, John Kelly. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Good. I was worried the other night when the Blues fell behind 3-0, and I was pleasantly surprised with the comeback. And one thing that Panger told us that morning, J.K., is that the Blues needed to show up on time. They certainly do tonight, don't they? Yeah, no question. Tampa Bay obviously had a great start the other night, and they're going to get Stamkos back. Of course, he didn't play the other night. He had to come back to Tampa Bay. His wife was giving birth to a baby. So, you know, the last two games to me – uh, certainly the game against Tampa Bay when you're down 3 nothing in the first five and a half minutes is not a great start. That's, that's an understatement. And even against Columbus, they did not have a very good first period. They were down one nothing in that game and then stormed back in the last two periods and played great hockey. So obviously trying to come from behind in this league is very difficult. It is in any sport, but especially hockey. And when you're playing quality teams like Tampa Bay and then Florida on the weekend, um, and then, of course, next week, another game against the Panthers. You don't want to be chasing games. So I think the Blues need to have a better start tonight. Hopefully they can get it tonight here at Emily Arena. John, Jordan Cairo is leading the Blues with 23 points, and he is just so fun to watch. It seems like we're watching a star develop in front of our very eyes. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that, Amy. He he is just full of skill and, and speed and the toe drag moves and beating guys one-on-one. I mean, this is a good league as we know. It's the best league in the world. And you just don't see players get beat one-on-one that often. But almost every night, Jordan Cairo will do that. You know, he doesn't go end-to-end and score highlight reel goals every night. Nobody does, not even Connor McDavid. But he just has the ability to be so slippery and so fast and so elusive. And it's amazing. So it's a great start, and he continues to develop. And, you know, even the other night, 
um, in the tie game, he had, he had a breakaway with, I don't know, seven or eight minutes left and um, didn't score on Brian Elliott. Um, but obviously he could have won the game there. And that's the biggest thing with him, even in a, in a tight game or, or regardless of how well he's played in a game, he's always a threat to beat guys one-on-one or, or use that speed and get a, a break or a breakaway and score a big goal. So not many guys have that ability in the NHL. Most goals we know are scored, you know, on rebounds or tip-ins or cycle plays, but he's, he's a game-breaker, and it's great to, to have one on your team like the Blues do. And He's not the only one, obviously. Hey, J.K., the, the schedule does slow down a bit in terms of the fact the team is not playing, let's say, four games in seven days, and it seemed like that was the, the case to, to start this season. How much do you think that has been a factor with the injury bug that the team has gotten here recently, and how much can it benefit them now that it starts to slow down a bit? Well, yeah, Dan, obviously you want to be healthy, and I think that it certainly disrupted the chemistry maybe after the first month when they had that great start, and then they had you know, six players, not all at once, of course, but six total players come down with COVID or go in COVID protocol, and those guys are all back now, and then Shen, of course, missed a couple of weeks with an upper body, and now you have Bozak out and, and Clem Costin and, and a few others. So, you know, I, I think honestly, though, that in, in this year's NHL, because of COVID, I think you're going to always have players out of the lineup. So yeah. the, the depth is tested. It, it really is. And the Blues are one of the deeper teams in the league. I mean, they called up Logan Brown the other day, um, Jeff's son, and he scored a goal in his first uh, game as a Blue. His dad, of course, was there. His mom It was a great sight. So, you know, obviously Logan didn't have a great camp and, and was traded for the to the Blues from Ottawa for, for Zach Sanford. And um, I, I think that there's a, some upside here. And he was a first-round pick, so I think it's, it's good to see. But getting back to my point is you have to have a lot of depth. And obviously the Blues do that. And as you said, Dan, yeah, the Blues get a bit of a break here because after Saturday afternoon's game, they don't play again until Tuesday. But then they have four games next week. But after Saturday afternoon, they do have a bit of a break, and that's good. Hey, what have you thought of uh, Perunovic, one of the guys that they've used his depth and we've heard so much about him? Um, what do you thought of his play so far? You know, Dan, I, I've been very impressed. I, I thought his first game, uh, you know, when he came in with a lot of composure, and he, he's doing what he can do well, which is skate the puck, make plays. I mean, that play he made on the game-time goal the other night by Barbashev was uh, a very high-level play where mm-hmm. he, he has it at the line, he beats a couple of guys, he, it's a, a no-look pass to Barbashev. I mean, guys don't – you don't get taught that, Dan, as we know. I mean, that's just – innate ability so it's amazing you know he, he did struggle in the game in dallas when the blues lost that game and gave up a couple of shorthanded goals i think he was minus two that night uh, but he wasn't the only one that was on the ice for the power play goals i'm not blaming him but i think overall um in the handful of games that he's played i've been really impressed for a kid that had never played in the national hockey league um obviously his skill when you, when you watch him skate and pass the pockets it's, it's high end skill and and again you can't teach that kind of stuff John Kelly with us on 101 ESPN and JK I want to circle back to Logan Brown and I want to get your read on what he can become so much of this sport and we've seen it heck we saw it with Brett Hull we saw it with Pavel Dimitro we saw it with Brad Boyce so much of it is being in the right place at the right time in the right lineup with the right group of guys what do you think Logan Brown's upside is if everything falls his way well, Randy, that's a hard question because, you know, we honestly haven't seen a lot of Logan. He did play in a couple of preseason games, and we saw him in camp, and I would say his camp was only average. 
And Ruby admitted the other day that he, he was playing better down in Springfield. He was skating better. He worked on his skating and maybe his conditioning. Um, so I don't know because I, I just haven't seen this kid play a whole lot. I, I do think that the other night, and he only played about seven minutes, you know, aside from the goal, he made plays though, Randy. You know, he, he got the puck and he made plays. He just didn't, you know, chop the puck and, and move it into the corner and things like that. He seemed to have some confidence. But again, he was a first round pick. And I know in talking to Andy Strickland, um, our colleague on Bally, you know, Andy saw Logan play as a, as a 16 year old and even as a kid. And, you know, he was as talented as all of those other first round picks that were were picked in his draft year when, you know, Kachuk went and, and, and Clayton Keller and the others. And, you know, as, as a teenager, he was as skilled as any of those kids. And for whatever reason, in the National Hockey League, it just so far hasn't worked for him. But remember, he, he came from a team that really struggled with the Ottawa Senators, and now he's on a really good team with more structure, um, probably better leadership and things like that. So I think, you know, he's set up for – more positivity now with the Blues. But as far as his upside, Randy, I think we need to see him more. But he is a huge guy. That's the first thing I mm-hmm. noticed when I saw Logan this summer at that event at the MAC. I, I saw Jeff, and I know Jeff really well because I was here when he, when he played for the Blues. But Logan's 6'6". I mean, he's a big kid. So he can skate pretty well and has good skills. So his upside, I don't know. But obviously, I think it was a good risk for Doug Armstrong to make getting Logan back into his hometown. And finally, J.K., for young people that might be driving down the road right now, they may not realize that John Kelly was the original voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you started what they have now. The back-to-back Stanley Cup championships wouldn't have happened without John Kelly. (laughs) Right. Yeah, give me all the credit. Yeah, I was here in 92, and they actually played their games. Um, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but they played their games at the Florida State Fairgrounds, which is about 20 minutes outside of Tampa in a tiny little arena that seated about, I don't know, 10,000 fans or so. Um, and, and during one game, during the state fair, literally, the Lightning players, the, their locker room, um, the back door was was open into the area where the fans were, and they were selling cotton candy and corn dogs outside the locker room at the Florida State Fairgrounds during a National Hockey League game. So sort of a... Probably uh, it's never been done before and won't be done again. But uh, th- those are memories that I remember forever. Great times, and now they're at a great arena here in downtown, and, and their franchise is one of the best in the league. I bet your golf game was pretty good, though, when you were the uh, announcer for the Tampa Bay Lightning. It, it, it was really good, Dan, a lot better than it is now. Trust me. And that's not because I, I, I don't I, – my wife, you know – she loves me to go golf and stuff like that. I just am not nearly as good as I was. That's just a fact. I You're got right. you. <laughs> JK, have a great day in Tampa, and we'll be tuned in tonight on Bally Sports. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. See you later. That's John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues, joining us on 101 ESPN. That must have been something with cotton candy and funnel cakes, the the wafting scent of funnel cakes coming into your, your dressing room as a hockey player. I remember those games and watching those games. Me too. It, was, it looked like a little barn that they're playing. <laughs> right, literally, in yeah. The, you know, and San Jose, I think, had that for the a while. The Cow Palace. Yeah, that's right. They played, the, they played in the Cow Palace in San Francisco. That's right. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, the NHL was something. That is Michelle. That is Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the fight. Chance for Dan to root for somebody else yes. on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed. 
Mac, Michelle Smallman here with you. Brandy Carriker's out in the hall because it's time for the mm-hmm. fight here on 101 ESPN. And I love the fight every day, Dan, but particularly on Thursdays and Fridays when you are here. Because I am pulling for the listener. That's right. And today, Always. Today it's Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Dan. Hey, good morning to you, Jeff. As I always like to ask, what do you do for a living? Give yourself a little plug here that allows you to listen to this fine program and station. Sure, I own uh, my own painting company. Nice. Well, good for you, and good luck against Randy. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Okay, Jeff, question number one. The 1972 Major League Baseball strike occurred from April 1st to April 13th. Which team benefited from an uneven schedule and edged out the Boston Red Sox by half a game to win the AL East? Was it the Yankees, the Brewers, or the Tigers? Uh, The Yankees. The first BCS National Championship game had the Tennessee Volunteers against the Florida State Seminoles. Which bowl game hosted the 98 National Championship game? Was it the Fiesta Bowl, the Orange Bowl, or the Rose Bowl? Uh, The Rose Bowl. Question number three. Which well-known sportscaster served as the play-by-play voice of Monday Night Football during its first season in 1970? Was it Howard Cosell, Keith Jackson, or Jack Buck? Uh, let's go Howard Cosell. Ville Husso is 3-1 and one in four starts this season for the Blues. Who is the last Finnish goalie to don the blue note in a regular season game? Merrick Schwartz, Hanu Tovinen, or Roman Turek? Uh, gosh, if he was Finnish, Roman Turek. Okay, checking our score here. Andrew confirmed. Yep, uh-huh. Waving in Randy, who's swaying back and forth in the mm-hmm. hallway, patiently waiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as he <laughs> as he comes in here, Randy, while you get set up, uh, I want you to know that Jeff is with you this morning here on 101 ESPN. Say good morning to Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. How you doing? Well, Mr. Character, good morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. I was just out in the hall with Christy, our HR person, who also sets up our holiday party next week, which is going to be at uh, the new main event facility out in Chesterfield Valley, and she claims that she's going to beat me in Papa Shot, and I vehemently disagree. I don't know, Randy. I can uh, see Christy having having a sweet shot Christy there. Christy played ball. Yeah, yeah, so you might want to reconsider. I'm not going hmm. to. Okay, great. Well, we'll see. We'll determine who the winner is then. Mm-hmm. Will you be the winner of the fight today, Randy, is the, the real question. Ooh, good question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one, the 1972 Major League Baseball strike occurred from April 1st to April 13th. Which team benefited from from an uneven schedule and edged out the Boston Red Sox by half a game to win the AL East? 1972. Okay, so you had, it almost had to be the Orioles because that division was the Yankees, Red Sox, Orioles, Tigers, Indians. I'm going to go with the uh, the Baltimore Orioles. First BCS National Championship game featured the Volunteers of Tennessee hmm. against the Seminoles of Florida State. Hmm. Which bowl game hosted that 98 National Championship game? 1998. T. Let's see, the old offensive coordinator at... Uh, at USC was their quarterback. He followed Peyton Manning. And it seems as if that game may have been played at the 
Fiesta Bowl in Tempe, Arizona. I'll go with that. Wait. That'd be fine. <laughs> Which well-known sportscaster served as the play-by-play voice of Monday Night Football during its first season in 1970? Oh, Belly! I believe it was Keith Jackson on ABC. Billy Husso is 3-1 in his four starts this season for the Blues. Who is the last Finnish goalie to don the blue note in a regular season game? The last Finnish goalie. Was it Reinhard Davis? Hmm. Who was it? I'll do the lifeline just in case, Dan. Merrick Schwartz, Hanu Tovenin, or Roman Turek? I think I'm going to go with big number 35, Hanu Toivonen. You heard Dan's noise there. You might have an indication of how this one went, but was it Jeff or was it Randy? Andrew, let him know. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions, providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Jeff. Randy beat you three to nothing today. Three to nothing was yeah, our final score. I just I felt my hope fading slowly as he answered each question. <laughs> but it was a good effort, Jeff. We appreciate you. Heck was it a effort. good effort by me, though? It was. Jeff thinks it was. That's all that really Thanks, matters. Guys. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, You're the Jeff. Best. We appreciate you. All right. So it was the Tigers back in 1972 Ooh. that benefited from an uneven schedule. They edged out the Red Sox by just half a game to win the AL East in 1972. I think it was the Reds and Pirates in the NL. Definitely the mm-hmm. Reds. I think the Pirates were part of yeah. that. Uh, it was the Fiesta Bowl that hosted that first national championship game with Tennessee and Florida State. Keith Jackson was the play-by-play voice of Monday Night Football during its first season in 1970. Now, he was just one year, right? And then it was right. Frank Gifford? Exactly. And then when did Jack start doing radio on Monday night? That was in, like, 76, I believe. So it, yeah, it was mid- later, yeah. You mean, so, yeah. So that because was 70, it started. The series started he did in 70. 76 through, well, he was there with the Dallas back-to-back championships. Right. So that would have been, I mean, he had a, what, 15-year run, something like that? Yeah, at least. Yeah. Okay, and uh, Hanu Toivonen was the goalie that uh, was the last Finnish goalie to put on the blue note. Win, 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 win! Somebody said, Randy, uh, the 314, you need to play Simply the Best by Tina Turner when you win. I happen to love that song. I do too, but that would be a little bit ostentatious on my part. Well, That'd be kind that of self- you haven't been already. Self-serving. Yeah, you, oh, you don't do that at all. that would be self-serving. That would push it over the edge. Did you see Tina Turner just got inducted into the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a yeah. solo artist? Yeah. Yes. HBO had a great documentary on Tina Turner. It was awesome. And yeah. obviously all the St. Louis days, pretty cool to see all that stuff. Yep. Although they weren't great for her. That was, yeah, a very tough time in her life. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us on The Fight. Coming up next, we're going to talk some blues hockey with Jeremy Rutherford, our blues insider from The Athletic. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and be joined by our blues insider from The Athletic, and the nicest man on earth, the one and only Jeremy Rutherford. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? 
Oh, uh, your nose is growing there, Randy. <laughs> doing well. <laughs> so the Blues in Tampa tonight to take on the Lightning and obviously came away with a victory the other night. Let's start with the win the other night. I, I would say that that was a fortuitous win. Normally you get behind Tampa Bay, even if they're missing Kucherov and missing Stamkos and missing uh, Vasilevsky who wasn't in the lineup and missing Braden Point. You get behind that team 3 nothing. You buy most teams in the NHL 3 nothing. you aren't going to come away with a victory. Yeah, not a chance that you come back in a game against uh, Tampa Bay. You know, they still had headmen, and I thought Brian Elliott played pretty well in that game. Obviously gave up a couple goals uh, to get back in the game. Uh, but just such an odd game to fall behind 3 to nothing, the way that it happened, and then to uh, just come alive like the Blues did for the second straight game. You know, they did that after uh, the first period against Columbus as well. And they're starting to play better hockey, albeit, you know, second, third period after these slow starts. But they're playing better hockey. And I think part of it is look at Ryan O'Reilly, 23 minutes. You know, he, he joked a week or two ago that maybe the COVID symptom was his hands and his hockey sense. But that seems to be back. He seems to be playing well. And I think they've uh, readjusted the defense a little bit. I like Nico Mikola up there with uh, Colton Preco. And it's a little less ice time for some of those defensemen who are struggling. So things are starting to come together, I think, a little bit. And JR, after everything bounced Tampa's way and they have that early 3 nothing lead, Jordan Bennington was unbelievable. He stopped the next 24 shots. He stopped a couple in the shootout. And I know you wrote this at The Athletic, but in order for the Blues to find their consistency, they're going to need their goalie to play like he did in that last game. Well, they need him to. And I tried to think it out a little bit. And I hope people can follow here a little bit. But I think that if Jordan Bennington gets pulled after that third goal or he gets pulled after the first intermission, you know, now you probably have Billy Huso coming back tonight against Tampa. I don't know who the starter is, but let's just say that's what the plan was. And now Jordan Bennington comes back Saturday against Florida, against a team that's first in the league standings, a team that overcame a 4-1 deficit the other day against Washington and won 5-4. to And, you know, you don't want to project it out, but let's say he struggles in that game. Well, now we're talking about a situation where, you know, he's allowed uh, three goals or more in 11, 12 out of his 15 starts, and people are starting to, you know, build that into a bigger story. So that's why I think Craig Bruby's decision to stick with him. And then for Jordan Bennington to play as well as he did, especially on the penalty kill in the third period in overtime, I thought he was really good. You know, that kind of nips that story in the bud. And, you know, now if you come back to Husso and you – go to Bennington over the weekend, you know, you're not thinking about that as much. Jeremy Rutherford with us on 101 ESPN. And, Jr. I want to come back to uh, Nico Mikola because we always hear from hockey people that the hardest thing to do is to learn how to play defense at the NHL level. And the only way you can get experience is by getting experience. So while I, I am frustrated at times by Mikola, I, I see a skill set and I think he can be really good. And this might be one of those situations where – some games that maybe he costs you a goal in December, but it'll benefit you in March, April, May, and June because he's getting that experience. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And, and when he missed some time with uh, the COVID, and then also he wasn't in the lineup even when he was healthy early in the season. They've got a lot of defensive depth. But when he came back from the COVID, Randy, I thought it was going to take you know a week, two weeks before we started to see any signs of the type of player that the Blues think he can be. But we saw it, I feel, in the first couple games. He's just got a little bit of, a, of an edge defensively to his game. There's more physicality than we see from anybody else back on that blue line. And then he jumps in the rush. For a guy who's 6'5", uh, he can really get up the ice. We saw that on his goal that he scored. So, so I think you're right. I don't think the Blues have a player who can play with Colton Preco uh, in that top pair on their roster. You know, is it 
Scott Brinovich, could it be? Could it be Nico Mikula? Well, right now they're going with Mikula. And, yeah, there are some hiccups, but I think all in all he's playing well, and he's going to be better for it, like you said, in February, March. JR, here in St. Louis, we've been encouraged and, frankly, I think a lot of people surprised by what we've seen out of Vladimir Tarasenko thus far this season. But if the end goal remains the same for Vladdy and for Doug Armstrong to move him, it really doesn't matter what we think here. It matters what the rest of the league thinks about what they're seeing from Vladimir Tarasenko. And I know that you've spoken to some scouts. You have a piece up at The Athletic that's great. So what's the outside viewpoint on Vladimir Tarasenko right now? Yeah, I think it's pretty favorable. It really is. And I uh, I, I canvassed uh, three NHL scouts, and they spoke uh, for that piece. And, you know, some of them spoke earlier in the season before uh, Tarasenko went on this recent kind of skid where he's, he hasn't scored in seven or eight games. But I think the biggest thing with Vladimir is, you know, where's the overall game at? You know, sometimes when he's not scoring, there's nothing else there. And I specifically asked the, agent, the, uh, the uh, scouts about that. I said, what do you see from his overall game? And they said it looks like he's committed. He's getting back, playing that 200-foot game. And we didn't even necessarily see that, you know, throughout the early part of Vladimir Tarasenko's career. So, yeah, he's not scoring a ton of goals right now. He did earlier in the season. You know, he and the Blues hope that that comes back. But what I think they need from Vladimir Tarasenko, and the scouts said they're seeing it, is uh, the hustle, the commitment, uh, being part of a team. And whether and they all said this, whether that's him trying to facilitate a, an eventual trade who knows, but he's doing it right now for the Blues, and it's helping them. And you are tied into his trade request. Where do you think that stands right now? Is he still as firm in his desire to be traded as he was during the summer? Yeah, and so I've written about that a little bit recently. It's it's not as known as it was earlier in the year. Earlier in the year, you know, speaking to people close to the situation, they said Vladimir Tarasenko still wants a trade. Where does that stand right now? Has there been a change of heart? It's possible. There's been speculation about that. I can tell you, speaking honestly, there has been no firm uh, announcement from anybody close to the situation recently that says he still stands by the trade. So, you know, you you hear some speculation and, and you see the way he's playing, the way the team's playing. Has he backed off that trade request? I'm always honest with you guys. I don't know firmly at this point, but that was the situation you know, a couple weeks, a month into the season. JR, you're always great. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it, and have a great Thursday. Thanks, guys. You too. See you later. That is our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford on 101 ESPN. Next up, we want to hear from you. With this lockout now in place in Major League Baseball, will you be alienated? As you sit here right now on December 2nd, if this lockout stretches into the regular season, how long is it going to take you to come back? We'll take your texts and mic drops next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Here for St. Louis. Here to help you achieve more with your money. Nine oh one in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And now is the time where the old line "I love the game, but I hate the business" applies. And I can tell you that when baseball comes back, regardless of when it comes back, a I hope it'll be a better product than the last one we saw. But b I am going to be back. I I, I love baseball, and I'm going to be back. But I also am well aware of the fact that with the work stoppage in 1994. It took four years. It took McGuire and Sosa to bring baseball back. 
and we don't have McGuire and Sosa now. Everybody hits a million home runs. You aren't going to have that thrill. There isn't one thing in baseball, I don't think, that can thrill people back to the ballpark if they're just so jaded and so frustrated by the game that they've decided to check out on it. Well, we saw a lot of empty seats at Bush Stadium this season. Um, a 17-game winning streak certainly helped that. But I just think that the, the pandemic has shifted consumption habits and the way people go about things anymore. And I wonder if that, coupled with the anger that some fans may feel because of this lockout, could push some fans away forever. Because in today's world, you have many options for entertainment. And... I think here in St. Louis, we might be a little bit different of a case study because Cardinal baseball is in our blood. It's what we do. And I'm really interested to see what the fans have to say, because if you're going to alienate fans here in St. Louis, you if you're baseball, you better be concerned about a lot mm-hmm. of other markets. Yeah, I think you hit it a really important point on the head, which is during the pandemic, you couldn't go down to the ballpark. So if you had discretionary income, people did find other things to do. And and some of those people may have said, you know what, I really like doing this. Instead of taking that trip to St. Louis to go see the Cardinals and the Cubs or whatever, and that was normally their summer trip. Um, and I, I, that's one of the things I've been talking about a lot is, you know, trying to sell tickets now during this for the business going into 2022. Can't see much appetite for, I mean, that, that'd be tough. When you say yeah. we're in a, a lockout and you're trying to sell tickets and push your players, which you cannot do, mm-hmm. you know, any in name, image, likeness, that kind of stuff is not available for teams to do. So it's a very important point as a side to this is just thinking about marketing the sport right now for the immediate, which is 2022. And both sides look like jerks. And one of the problems that a casual fan has is that they were jerks in 2020 during the summer of 2020, during the pandemic. They were the only sport that was jerks. And now you're jerks again in December of 2021. So in, in back-to-back years, you've got the sport looking like childish babies. Yeah, but the NFL's filled with jerks, too, and people still watch but that But I'm product. talking about owners versus players. I, I know the NFL is, yeah. but oh, it, it's at a different level when they're taking your what you like about it away true but i think you have a lot more runway to be a jerk if you're on either side of this to fans if your product is compelling and people right. want yep. want to watch it all of the time no doubt about that yeah if the, the product is going to be the key and like i said the last product that we saw even though the cardinals did have the 17 game winning streak and wound up in the playoffs the overall baseball product is pretty boring well you you hit something on the head too randy which is depending to me depending on how long this goes what brings a fan back so Let's just say, for argument's sake, it it goes through December and January. So it's two months. You haven't missed a game, and then they figure it out. All of a sudden, you have a normal spring training and a long-term agreement, five, six years. Yeah, I I do think that people would come back. I'm sure there's a lot of fans saying, this morning, I'm done, because it's they're passionate, they love the sport, and they're frustrated. And I understand that. However, uh, is it a situation where, you know what, Uh, if, hey, they, they... they had their labor dispute, took a couple of months, but no no harm, no foul, and we'll come back. And we're there. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to buy our tickets, and let's go. There'll be some of that, but there could be some that there's an, a lingering of, effect for fans. If you listen to this station, you know that Janet is invested in her Cardinals mm-hmm. and is a frequent contributor to the station, and we've got a mic drop from Janet. It's so sad that the owners and the players can't get together and kind of consider what the fans have gone through for the past couple years with the 
pandemic and everything, why can't we have a happy summer coming up? Why do they have to do this to the fans? It's just terrible. Can we rip that audio off and just send it to the negotiation table? Yeah. This is who you're impacting. Right. The Janets of the world. No doubt about it. And we have text 65780 on the Air Comfort Service text line. And we do welcome more mic drops on the Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. From the 314, this disappoints me, but it doesn't make me want to stop watching baseball. Owners annoy me, but honestly, they do in every sport. If I gave up all entertainment because I hate out-of-touch billionaires, I'd have no entertainment in my life. (laughs) That's true. I do think that from an optics perspective, if you are the owners and you think, I guess, and the owners think everything is fine, maybe it's the players that somebody should have said, if the system is broke, then for the month of November, it should have been broke. We shouldn't have been giving out $1.7 billion, and we shouldn't have been accepting $1.7 billion. If, if it's that bad, then maybe we should not have had such a successful month leading up to locking them out. Well, I think the reason he probably didn't have that is that the system isn't broken for the high-end players. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. part of the system is working, and both sides apparently are okay Owner side are okay giving out $300 million contracts. Certainly you're a player, you're fine in taking them. And the big rub on this, I think, will be when does free agency start? How many years do you get before free free agency kicks in? Um, Obviously, we're talking about earlier, the middle class free agents getting priced out and being pushed out. Trying to get more competitive with teams that aren't spending money and making sure that they do. And that had nothing to do with some of these, well... You weren't going to have the Orioles going out to get Max Scherzer. But generally speaking for the sport, that has got to change, too. You've got to have teams that spend some money and and be somewhat competitive. And here's the thing. For most people, $200 million is more than they could ever spend. If you do want to, if you're a player and you want to include the, have that middle class do well, then to me, you've got to be able to make a sacrifice and take, rather than, Seeger's $325 million, take $250 million and allow that $75 million to be spread among a middle class. If you're Manny Machado, if you're Fernando Tatis Jr., if you're Francisco Lindor, if you're Max Scherzer, there are limits to what the owners are going to do. Not to what they can do, but what they're going to do. And maybe that amount of money that you have to split among players, you can split it yourself if you want. You can do it that way. That ain't going to happen. No, it's not. But that goes back to the greed of people like Scott Boris, mm-hmm. who makes his money off of those $300 million contracts. But, and I'm not saying that the owners aren't greedy. Everybody in the sport is greedy. But if you want to treat people the right way, if you want to say, okay, I want these middle class guys to have jobs, then you do what Brady did. You say, okay, I'll take less, but that money has to go to middle class guys. From the 636, if Major League Baseball and the Players Union doesn't come to an agreement within 7 to 14 days, my annual spring training trip, which is 10 years running, and my visiting Bush Stadium, an average of at least five times per season, is completely over and I will be done with Major League Baseball. That's a lot of money for Major League Baseball. And I think there's going to be some fans that do that. I mean, I have fans tweet at me all the time, you know, should I plan my trip this summer? I mean, I I get a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, should I plan for spring training? Um I still feel that we'll have spring tra- I think we'll get this done before spring training. Randy said June. The, the thing you have to remember, too, in a negotiation like this, you're talking about 30 owners that are worth billions of dollars. And, yes, do they will they take a financial hit for this? Sure they will if they don't play. 
But if you're a player, your window to make that money is short. And mm-hmm. do you have certain guys starting to say, come on, what are we doing? And that's what you're going to try. I'm sure you're going to try to break the union and get yeah, what you want. Totally. From the 314, the Cardinals are going to have a different a, a different attendance situation this season because it's Yachty and Wayno's last ride. I think that's a pretty important point. We're talking mm-hmm. about St. Louis being an interesting litmus test for how upset fans are. I think even here in St. Louis, if you're furious with whatever happens with the lockout, that once baseball gets going again, you're going to want to see Wayno and Yachty together one last time. What if, though, you had Randy's scenario play out so you don't get to the you, – you said middle of June. Mm-hmm. So you have July, August, September, you know, maybe a portion of October. They redo how they do the postseason for that year because you're going to have a shortened year. Would fans come out to see Yachty and Wayno? Would it would it make it enough to, that that would be your draw to go to the ballpark when you're really upset with the sport? I think you're going to have a lot of bitter people. And especially, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because your season ticket holders, this would be the third straight year that you're messing around with your season ticket holders too, right? Because... Last year, you didn't start the season. They, they, they had the option to opt out. Right. So for the Because you started at, what, 15% capacity right. or whatever. So yeah. they did have the option to opt out and then come back in this year. And I wonder how many season ticket holders that may have opted out last year say, okay, I'm just going to opt out. I'm done. Good. There's a lot of things that they have to, especially here, that the Cardinals have to deal with. They already have to deal with the safety of the ballpark. Yeah, that's true. Right? It's a big component. Yeah. So not the ballpark, but downtown. Downtown, downtown yeah. yeah. So there there are a lot of factors that are unique to the Cardinals that should make them want to be able to play on April 1st. I have to tell you, that's one of the number one things I hear from people, yep. whether it's talking about going to a Blues game or a Cardinals game, is I don't want my car to get broken into. Yeah. I don't want to be downtown at night. And that's a real problem. Cars are getting broken into on the mean streets, Michelle. In Creve Corps? You betcha. Really? Yeah. It's sad, everywhere. Sad, but true, it is. It is. It is. And you know what? So this happened to my son, and I, it happened at like 3.30, 4.30 in the morning. His car got broken into at our house. And I uh, am trying to think of violent ways to stop people from doing this. I am. I, I would literally, I would mess somebody up big time. If I, I'm thinking about staying up until 3.30 in the morning to catch him and mess him up. Like send him to the hospital mess him up. What are you going to do? Just sit and look I, I, out the window? You know what I'm thinking is if they're sitting there and they're going through a console, just opening and slamming the door on them uh, time and time again and like breaking both of their legs. Something like that. This is taking such a turn. Yep. I, we, I've got a bat in the garage. Maybe just get the bat and just, you know, treat their head like a cantaloupe. Uh, that's how, they, how mad it makes me. What are you, Gall- what was the guy, uh, Gallagher, that did the smash the, uh, 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 hey, how about, what was like, that, who's that Gallagher, what was the name, you know, the guy come out there and he'd smash uh, oh, yeah, watermelons. watermelons, yeah, yeah, so that's what you want to do, Randy, that's nice, that, I, I think everybody that gets their car broken into probably feels that way on some level, it is, it feels like a real violation, yeah, um, Randy, maybe you should just patrol downtown, and you're the With solution to this, <laughs> I could be, uh, what was that Charles Bronson, oh, uh, it was, um, you're a different type of Batman, that's for sure, that's true, the, the Charles Bronson movie where he was the, uh, what do they call I mean, it? When let you me take, guess, take there was the, death. Take the law into your own hands. You're a vigilante. Vigil, the vigilante, yeah. Yep. From the 618, Randy's blackout rage is coming out. Big time. Yes, <laughs> Big it is. time. You don't want to be on the <laughs> other end of that. So Rob Manfred, by the way, is speaking right now, and then there'll be kind of a counter deal. At, I think 
9.30 or so from the Players Association. But some of the things, I guess, that he's talked about uh, here this morning, and I'm just going to read from the Twitter feed of Bob Nightingale, which I'm seeing others that are saying this too. Commissioner Manfred said that the union is seeking a $100 million reduction in revenue sharing. Uh, Quote, it's not a good thing for the sport talking about the lockout. We understand it's bad for business. Manfred also said, quote, we made a proposal yesterday. If, if it had been accepted, it would have provided a clear path towards an agreement. He said there has not been any on-field rule changes proposed in their labor talks. So some of the things that uh, is coming out of, of hearing from Rob Manfred, we're going to play some of that coming up in uh, my show as well. And maybe Great. we'll do a little bit here, too. Do you think players want the universal DH or not in general, if they took a vote of all the players? Because it it's is a, more money. I, I think it's high, it, especially when you get to have a normal offseason where you create those jobs for typically high-paying hitters. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think they do. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. Stick around. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis, the number one BMW dealer in all of Missouri. By the way, multiple texts, and thank you very much for... In educating me because I've seen the movie and I liked it. The name of the movie with Charles Bronson is Death Wish, where he plays a vigilante and everybody roots for him. It seems like everyone's rooting for you, too. <laughs> Not everybody, but. <laughs> You've had some interesting uh, results from your comments on the text people line. People make about me mad. How to handle. Not, not uh, anybody listening. Various people. Yeah. Uh, let's get to. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, we know what's killing Randy. (laughs) And a lot of people out there who are Notre Dame fans have been upset with Brian Kelly. I would say that's what's killing them. And Brian Kelly, his goodbye conversation, I guess you could say, with Notre Dame was leaked online. And he was officially announced as the LSU head coach. He was on the Paul Feinbaum show and was asked about why he wanted to take this LSU job. And he says it's not necessarily about his old stomping grounds. This opportunity for me had nothing to do with Notre Dame. I loved my time there. I loved everybody that we touched, and more importantly, the players. This was about the opportunity at LSU that we saw as a new challenge in our life. Look, I, I'd never been to, to LSU or Louisiana. We're so excited uh, to immerse ourselves in the culture of Louisiana. We love the outdoors. We've never been here. We can't wait to take it in and uh, to be part of it. You know, he met. He well, that was heartfelt. Yeah, he didn't mention one pretty big factor, which is that he's going to get about $100 million yeah, right. out of the deal as well. And some details have leaked about Brian Kelly's contract with LSU. So he's getting about $9.5 million a year. He has supplemental pay increases to $8.8 million in 2023, $9 million in 2025, $9.2 in 2027, $9.4 in 2029, and $9.6 million in 2031. Now, that's not all, guys. It also offers the possibility of a $1.325 million um, increase in annual bonuses, plus he gets an additional 500k every time that LSU is bowl eligible. Half a million dollars every time <laughs> we're they're going just, six and six. We're going six and uh, six. Coach, I did that this year. Correct. So um, 
the first time that they win the SEC championship game under Brian Kelly, his supplemental pay will increase by an additional 250k each remaining year. And as if that wasn't enough, he's also getting other things. He's getting a an interest-free loan that won't exceed $1.2 million designed to cover 20% of the purchase price of his primary residence, which will be located about 30 miles within LSU's campus in Baton Rouge. And uh, I don't know, guys. I'm glad he's getting that loan because it doesn't seem like he might oh, be able oh, to afford right a home now. otherwise. Yeah. Troubling. <laughs> Poor guy. And LSU is going to cover the amount of any buyout amount that Brian Kelly oh. owes Notre Dame for terminating his contract Oh, there. that's good. Look, it's about the kids, okay? It's about getting those student-athletes, and when he goes in that home, you're going to feel like this guy cares about my son. Mm-hmm. There's no way he could leave. He won't leave him high and dry. He cares about his son. So it's not that 50 hours of private aircraft time that no. he's going to get for no. his own personal use? No. Nope, nope, nope. Pretty nope. amazing. Good for him. No, ma'am. But not great for Notre Dame, but good for him. By the way, he had just built a house a block away from the Notre Dame campus, and... Uh, if, if I'm Marcus Freeman, I want to buy that house because, and this, I didn't realize this until Coach Drink did it. If you're a coach that lives within a mile of campus, the recruiting restrictions are really limited. If you have a, a seriously, yeah, if you have a kid in and his family and you live within a mile of campus, you're the coach, you can bring him over to the house for dinner. And, oh, really? Yeah. But if you live, well, what's more, the uh, mileage uh, cutoff? It's one mile. Oh, one so mile. one mile. Yeah. Literally one mile. Right. Wow. So Drink, his wife was saying, Are you serious asked, about yeah, that? Yeah. So Drink, his wife was saying, well, why do you need a, and he didn't say to her, he said, what? she said, why do you need a house so close to school? And he said, I, I just want to be close. And then she found out about this rule and she's cooking dinner for all these kids that are coming in being recruited. <laughs> but you can do, and, and their parents. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a pretty cool deal. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons that Brian Kelly did that at Notre Dame. Also, I just want to note this. So his base salary and his supplemental pay that starts at $95 million is 90% guaranteed if he's fired without cause. (laughs) If LSU wins a national championship, the remaining base salary and supplemental pay will become 100% guaranteed. Guaranteed. So he wins once there and he gets all that money. Wow. And that big business for most schools, that'd be worth it. Obviously at LSU, you won the championship two years ago. It's not necessarily worth it for them. Look, if he was, let's say, six and four this year at Notre Dame and he makes this jump, I go, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just he couldn't get it done. But he's a couple of losses away from teams that could lose to being in the the playoff. Right. And you walk away from that. Well, I, I understand. I mean, it's ninety five million. But if Notre Dame valued him that much and seeing what's happened with USC and, and now LSU and some of the other places, they probably up the ante, I would assume. I don't know that for sure. And make it to where they make him an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> but here's the thing. He's 60, and he knows he's not going to win a championship at Notre Dame. And he can win a championship at LSU. He knows that if he gets to the Final Four, he's getting boat raced by Michigan or Georgia or wh- whomever. But he goes to LSU. Last three head coaches there have won championships. Well, he's going to be able to get players. Yep. I mean, you, you think about trying to get that 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 player that's on the fringe of the, you the know, player that has the character type gpa there you go yeah and he's and the character type blackout rage too for <laughs> nighttime activities i guess you want that too i, I would assume it's harder <laughs> to get into notre dame than it is lsu yeah good assumption and that that the uh rules for though the athletes would be a little lax if they're on the if it's a borderline guy to let that athlete in and help the program yep I, I am a, that damn program. I'm, I'm a fan of Notre Dame. I understand that 
here in St. Louis. Oh, there's a tremendous Notre Dame fan base. We love Notre Dame. If I'm 17 and I get a choice and it's only two schools, the LSU and Notre Dame, I'm going to LSU. Wait a minute. Wait, say that again. If you were a recruit, if I were a recruit and it's LSU or Notre Dame, I'm going to LSU. And why is that? Because A, there's a very good chance that I'm going to be a high draft choice in the NFL. And B, they win championships. Well, um, I don't know if you've seen this, Randy, but there are a lot of kids that don't go on to play in the NFL. And so when you have a Notre Dame degree and an LSU degree is wonderful too, but L- uh, we, a Notre Dame degree carries a lot of weight. But if you get recruited by LSU, there's yes, a very good chance that you, and not that Notre Dame kids don't get drafted high too, they, they do. But you play in the SEC and you get prepared for the pros and you have a very good chance of being drafted high. I don't know about that. There's plenty of those kids that don't get drafted out of LSU. Well, LSU would be fun, too. You got to be a top-tier cat, man. Come on. You know that. Yeah, but I think they have a better chance to make you a top-tier cat at LSU. That's my point. All right, then. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls? Well, a guy who was a top-tier cat was Matt Leinart. We all remember yep. him oh, back sure. in the day. The QB from USC. Yeah, of course, we remember. So he was on with Pat McAfee recently, and Pat was asking him about some memorabilia that he had and where he keeps it, and he this was on a Zoom. They were on camera. And Matt Leinart actually was like, hey, let me, let me show you some stuff. And he opened up a closet, and there's his Heisman Trophy just sitting on the floor of a closet with all these errant clothes surrounding it. And he's like, I don't really care to display it, so I just keep it in this closet it with a bunch of clothes around it. Wait a minute. Say all that again. So what does his, he do? His Heisman Trophy is basically a clothes rack. It's oh. on the floor in a closet. And okay. it, he says there's no spot for the Heisman, so it just hangs out under some clothes. He <laughs> well. says he's not really the type of guy to display it, that he doesn't really care about it. So it just hangs out in the back of a closet. Well, I would say this. If Rob Manfred is listening to our program, he is nodding in approval. He is. Because that is just, well, it's not a piece of metal. What is that? A piece of... I think it is a piece of metal. All right, whatever. It's a piece of metal. It's a metal, yeah. Copper or something? Not copper. Uh, What is it? Whatever. Whatever it is, Randy. Bronze, maybe. Yeah, bronze. There you go. Bronze, Randall. If he doesn't care about it, he should give it to Reggie Bush. Right. (laughs) If either of you won the Heisman, would you display it in your home? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely, I would. Right? For sure. No doubt. You would walk in and there would be a, a giant display. foyer there. It's yeah. Be my, my trophy room. It would be great. Dan, yeah. you have World Series rings, right? I do. And do you wear them? Uh, occasionally. I will wear it for like a cardinal event or something that I'm speaking at. Sure. And I, I actually had it sized big so that I take it off and let people wear it and take oh. pictures with it and stuff. That's yeah. really nice. Yeah. But I'm sure you keep it in a special place. I do. You yeah. don't just throw it They're in a drawer. They're all displayed. <laughs> they came with actually really nice cases, glass cases, so you can display them. And yeah, it's really cool. The ownership was tremendously kind and generous in doing that. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up, we're going to talk lockout and more news this morning. Jesse Rogers of ESPN will join us to talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, Andrew Marsh told you that Jesse Rogers of ESPN was going to join us. He's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. He's been all over the labor negotiations, such as they are for MLB. Good morning, Jesse. Always good to have you here in St. Louis. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. Good to be with you guys. And we know you're very busy and we appreciate your time. Let's start with this. What did you take out of Rob Manfred's comments this morning? 
Well, I mean, the league has dug into their position, which is we're not going to overhaul the entire system. And that's kind of what the union is proposing. And I think at the end of the day, what's going to happen is they're going to ask for the big stuff now. Um, going to, we're going to hear the, see the lockout headlines. And when they get down to the nitty and gritty, I think the players will win on a couple of issues. The fact that the owners won the last round of collective bargaining, you know, uh, collective bargaining doesn't mean that the players deserve to win everything back. I mean, that's why, I mean, when you win something, you don't want to give it all back. And they certainly did win in 2016. The owners did. So here we are now, uh, the, 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 the players are kind of asking for a bunch of things back. They should get one or two, but not everything. It's just, uh, they might deserve everything, but that's just not going to happen. Why would they do that after they, you know, why win in 16 if you're going to give it all back now? So I think right now the league is, is, is dug into a couple of their positions um, and or two or three of them, and they're not going to waver from them. So where's the compromise? Maybe on one or two at most. And then we work around the edges and come up with a better system. So um, that, that was my takeaway. He's just not going to give away the farm after kind of making some progress on their end back in 16. Jesse, how ugly do you think that this could get? Not ugly anytime soon. It really has to come around February where it gets ugly or, or maybe mid-January. If this really, th- if this really drags on, then it, it, it starts to get ugly. If, if neither side will budge on a couple of the big things here, that's when it gets ugly. So I think it's much closer to when spring training is lost or games are lost, or regular season games are lost. That's when you're really going to you know, hear some nastiness leak. But I, I think right now it's going to be a little bit of a cooling off period. They're going to go back to the table soon enough, and let's see if they get really serious about this. All of this that's happened so far has kind of been expected. Now let's see who has the resolve to to drag this out into February because that's, again, when it'll get nasty. Yeah, I'm curious about that. How Just your personal opinion, how long do you think this uh, could last? And then you mentioned the two aspects that the Players Association, one or two, that they're trying to get. What are those? Yeah, it's probably three big ones in a, in a sense. First of all, get – get players paid earlier two ways to do that um, through arbitration whether if they kill the system altogether and come up with a new one okay but let's just use this system as is instead of getting uh, going through arbitration starting after three years of service time do it after two years now that is a big deal that is a lot of new money infused into the system if you start the arbitration clock after two seasons they'd love for that they'd love for a different kind of formula to get to free agency one of them was five uh, five years uh, and and 29 years old, you know, that kind of thing. So let's just say a different formula for free agency. That's a big deal. The elimination of draft pick compensation, um, that's a big deal as well. You know, if a big free agent signs with another team, that team has to give up draft picks. That's a big deal. Um, these are things, those three things have been in part of baseball <laughs> economics for decades, for decades. And the union's looking to change all of them. And that's why I say, Maybe focus on on one or two. In my mind, getting paid players paid earlier, I think, is interesting. Uh, arbitration after two years is something I would advocate for much more than any change to free agency. First of all, not every player gets to free agency, and when they do, they're not necessarily in their prime. So I think the average lifespan of a player is less than five years. So I think addressing free agency doesn't even uh, impact everybody in the union. We're addressing arbitration, let's say, after two years, unless you wash out after one, right? 
it really does impact every player. Now, this is something the league is not going to give on unless they get something in return. It's a big uh, sort of relent on the league if they say yes to arbitration after two years. So that's something I like because it impacts every player in the union basically the same way, gets them paid a little bit earlier. I'll give you an example I've been using with people. You know, Chris Bryan, a guy I cover here in Chicago, he won the Rookie of the Year in 2015 and the MVP the next season, 2016. What did he make those two years? He made the minimum and like a million bucks his second year. I mean, you win the MVP, you should be getting a raise, right? A decent raise. And if you do that after two seasons and you enter the arbitration process, you will get a decent raise. And so that's where I think there's practical reasons to get these players paid earlier. Jesse, because the owners won in 2016, what do the players have to give? Obviously, they they can give expanded postseason they could give dh if that's what the owners want it seems to be mutual there so what really in a negotiation there's a give and take what do the the players have to give right now yeah definitely expanded postseason that's hundreds of millions of dollars so that's definitely one i think you know rule changes possibly i don't know how that works because i know the commissioner can implement them on his own eventually but we're, we're as as you negotiate a cba it, it's a it's a chance to say okay yes to this, yes to this, yes to this. And if the league wants a pitch clock, the union, that's something the union can give them, right? That, that, that's a big ask and a big give by the union. So there's rule changes, there's expanded postseason, and then you're right, there's not a lot of other things. And that's why the, 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 the union probably will dig in here and not give up on stuff. Basically, they can give them their season back. You know, yeah. The owners just lost a huge chunk of money in 2020, if they want the season to start on time and everyone make their money, um, they could say, "Look, we will we, we will agree to you know everything you want in terms of getting back to work, but you got to give on this. We'll give you the expanded postseason. We'll give you the pitch clock, um, you know, and, and we'll relent on some things around the edges. Um, if, if if you want, you know, again some smaller things, we'll relent on that as long as you give us some some of the big economic issues, the core issues that that we're we're asking for." Jesse, you mentioned everyone wanting the season to start on time. Are there some key dates that fans can circle on the calendar that they can look to that might cause these talks to be met with a sense of urgency? Obviously, it's the start of the regular season, but does spring training come into that as well? Yeah, I think February 1st is, is, is a good one. It's probably the one a lot of people have been using. I, I mean, you know, you might say January. If you're talking to a player, he'd say before that because he wants to know where he's going to be living if he's a free agent, uh, where he's going to be uh, for spring training. Even even a, a player on a team wants to know if they're going to start on time because you have to rent houses, all that stuff. So February 1 is probably a late date in terms of just getting spring training going in a regular manner. Now, you can always start spring training a few days late. That's not a big deal. But I, I'd use that date um, as, as the next big deadline. Uh, like I said, if you talk to a player, they'd like it done before then. But I think that most people think this is going to last into January anyway. Hey, Jesse, um, is there any talk about just what this does for the game right now? You're a general fan and the average fan out there, and maybe you love all sports and you're a baseball fan as well, and you hear this stuff again and you heard it during the the pandemic season, and you're like, you know what, Uncle, I've had enough. And owners are saying, oh, we're seeing that we, we aren't selling tickets. We can't market our people. We can't market the sport. Is there any talk of that, or do they just feel like, hey, if we get this thing done, like you said, by February 1st, uh, all is forgiven and we move on? I, I think the latter is true. I don't think fans need to be overly dramatic about this. In fact, 
this whole thing created a great few days of hot stove, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of the hot stove. It, it, I mean, and I talked to executives yesterday who said they liked what went on these last few days. And they're kind of enjoying the idea of a few weeks of a shutdown here where they don't have to be next to their phones. Like, there's talk about this being sort of a nice trial run for something like a deadline in the future, which would happen every season, maybe December 20th, maybe January 5th, where everyone has to sign by then if you're a free agent. Now, there's problems with that because the players think that owners will use that as leverage and wait them out, and then all of a sudden everybody has to scramble on the last day. But in general, people enjoy these last few days. And when the lockout ends, I think we're all going to enjoy those few days when there's a scramble of trades and free agent signings. So um, in between, yeah, it's going to be a dead period. But who cares? Who cares about a dead period in December and January? We just had a fun week. We're going to have a fun week when the lockout ends. In between, let's take vacation, enjoy our families, and and get back to work. I mean, most sports have like a month off. Hockey shuts down basically in August. The NFL certainly takes time after the free agent frenzy. Same with the NBA. So we're in, we're in sort of a, a quiet period, forced, of course. Um, and it's not like baseball's not going to return. Free agent signings are going to – it's all going to come back. So I don't think fans should get up in arms over of a shutdown in December or January. You can follow Jesse Rogers on Twitter at Jesse Rogers. That's R-O-G-E-R-S. Jesse Rogers ESPN. He's all over the situation. One final thing. The NHL, the NBA – Pro football, they all have a salary cap. They all have about a 50-50 split of revenue. Right now, the estimate is is that the owners are getting 57% of the revenue from baseball. Players are getting 43. Give me a scenario in which players would trust ownership enough that their books were right, what they were seeing financially was right, that they would allow a 50-50 split with a salary floor and a reasonable, maybe soft, salary cap. There's almost no scenario I can imagine. It is a non-starter. It's such a non-starter that the league has never proposed it during these negotiations. They didn't even approach the idea of a hard cap. It's just a non-starter. It is, it is sort of the, the MLBPA union tenant. Like, we do not accept a cap. We're the MLBPA. We are different than those other leagues. We've never had one. We will never have one. I don't know if that's the right tact. I agree that times have changed, you know, uh, and, and maybe, you know, the pandemic kind of showed us that a partnership might be better. But, of course, a pandemic is maybe a once-in-a-hundred-year type of thing. But in general, maybe a partnership is better. I know if there's a player listening to me, he's going to be throwing his phone right now. But <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think it's worth exploring a little bit, a salary floor, a salary ceiling. But, look, if you get a salary ceiling – you might say goodbye to these $300 million contracts. And if there's one thing I know that that the, that the union wants is that the and star players need to get paid above everything else. And uh, the, baseball is the only sport where you have these 300 million plus guaranteed contracts, you know, and if they're not guaranteed guaranteed, and you have many of them in the, in, in MLB, and you're going to have more of them once the lockout ends, Carlos Correa and others. So, I don't, I don't think there's any scenario where that will occur. Jesse Rogers, as always, you provide great information. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And we know that even though we have a lockout going on, there won't be days off for you. You'll have to follow this. So we appreciate that. Take care. Take care. Nice talking to you. See you. Jesse Rogers and Jesse Rogers ESPN is where you follow him. So no salary cap, no salary floor in baseball. But I did like what he said about this being a potential soft launch for a deadline because that yeah, was fun that and would. would would be fun in the future. I thought that when it was going on that I, I could see that you have the winter meetings um, in maybe your first week in December. 
and then shut it down. Because believe me, I, I talk to these guys a lot of times and the executives, and it's constant. I mean, mm-hmm. you're on your phone constantly, 24-7. And if you can have a little shutdown to where it's just, uh, you know, you're, there's no no movement, you know, no picking up the phone, mm-hmm. no dealing with agents, no talking, to, just whatever. But we can't have movement, no trades, and do it for like two to three weeks and then maybe pick it back up at the 1st of January after the the new year, you know, and enjoy the holidays. I, I think people would like that. And, that, that, that you know, that should give you plenty of time before spring training, too. I think so. Hey, we're off and running with our 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser with Carriker Smallman and Danny Mac. It's supporting Operation Food Search. All you have to do is donate at least 25 bucks online between now and December 13th, and you'll receive a complimentary 101 ESPN T-Shirt. You'll get a koozie, and you'll get a bumper sticker as a gift for your donation. You score the free 101 shirt, the koozie and the sticker, and your $25 donation helps Operation Food Search serve the metro area during this critical time of year. We'd love to have you participate. We thank our presenting sponsors for this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign, American Standard Heating and Cooling, and McBride Homes. Find all the details on this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser now at 101ESPN.com. We'll cross things over with Dan next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. To my disappointment, I have to report that effective at 12.01 a.m. this morning, we instituted a lockout of Major League players. Um, We took this action with the support of all 30 clubs after we failed to reach a new agreement with the Players Association, despite our very best efforts. That's Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. To his great disappointment, he has locked the players out. Hopefully, they'll get a season in and he'll be able to hand out his piece of metal. So we're going to hear from Rob Manfred. More of that, uh, I'm sure, edge-of-your-seat type press conference uh, coming up in our first segment. And that'll be in about uh, 10 minutes or so. And then uh, BK will join us, and we're going to have Jared Diamond on, who does a great job on the business side of Jared sports, Bright but in like particular baseball. So Jared will be our guest, and looking forward to uh, hearing what he has to say. Is that a little, little Rihanna? For yeah, you, it was. Randy? How wow, about that? Look at you on a Thursday. <laughs> Dan, can't, can't wait to hear from uh, Jared. Dan, are you Team Beyonce or Team Rihanna? This is very important. Today. I'm neither, to be quite honest. Wow. Yeah. I am not happy with the beehive. They're the beehive. Yeah, they're they're just. Who they did? seem to be kind of mean. The the fan club of of Beyonce. Oh, you just don't. Diss she the doesn't queen. even really. Her husband just went them. into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Jay's Jay Z. <laughs> That's right. Good for him. He went in and uh, must have been an exciting night. I watched some of that on HBO. It was I, I pretty did, good. I did too. It was good. I uh, seen the Go Go's back together. I mean, if, if that doesn't bring yeah. is a it, feeling of loveliness in your heart, nothing will. I wonder right. who is not in the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that deserves to be. I'll have to check that out. There's have you been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame several times? I it's love awesome. the Rock and Roll Hall of it Fame. It is phenomenal. Yeah. So and it's right next door to Cleveland Browns Stadium. That's when Baker Mayfield goes to visit uh, the lead singer for Kiss, Gene Simmons. Yeah, it's literally right next door. So they're neighbors. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're talking about. That's there. correct. What did you find out, Michelle? Nothing yet, but uh, I have been as well, and it was great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Really enjoyed the Fleetwood yeah. Mac section. Uh, oh, somebody says, nice. Randy, we need a freestyle. 
We'll have that soon. Great job today by... Uh, now you want to leave, huh? Yeah. Great job today by <laughs> our producer engineer, Andrew Marsh. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Michelle, this was fun. It was a really fun Thursday. I will see you all tomorrow. We will do it again. Be fantastic. Uh, Danny Mac this hour, and then he'll be back with us tomorrow morning. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.